0: Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and this show is presented by Great Southern Bank. We are so grateful for our teammates over at Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. Other sponsors that we'll talk about throughout the show, Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. We're very grateful for all of our hand-picked sponsors for helping us make this show possible. Uh, before we get to our studio guest, you know, last week we had Coach Scott Nasby on, and we're in the middle of the series Effective Leadership. And we had Keith Gutten on in the first week of the series and Scott Nasby um, on the second week and he did a tremendous job of kind of, you know, expressing his philosophy on leadership and how it related to the model that we were evaluating that week. So if you want to listen to that episode, you can go to a dot and listen to it under previous shows. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It also plays on helium satellite radio. Um. So we're going to continue this series, and I'm shifting from coaches to athletic directors. And we're going to be discussing, you know, a little bit about the leadership parallels there. We'll close out the series in, in the end of February with some um, business and community leaders and how that parallels with coaches and, and what um, – a lot of different roles in athletics have. And, you know, when I think of an effective leader, we've got one right here in Springfield at Springfield Public Schools. The director of athletics, um, Josh Scott, is here. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what the leadership model that we have tonight, how that relates to what he does, and what he would add to that. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, we have a pretty good model tonight. Um, a model, not just my guest as a model, but <laughs> the leadership model. But I want to welcome to the show Josh Scott.
1: Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it.
0: You know, we, when we talk about being an effective leader, we talk about how that carries through, and that carries through. Um, you know, we we play, you know, we play sports. We're involved. We learn all these great life lessons to become, you know, more effective in our professional lives, and that parallels, you know, directly to the leadership. Um, and you know, a lot of times we're going to be leaders at some point in time, whether it's professionally, whether it's personally in a family. There's a lot of different ways that you can be a leader, and that people are going to look to you. Um, you know, you've been um, in athletics for a long time, and, and you take your job very seriously because you don't just stay in a bubble and do your job. You have a very global outlook. You give back to athletics through serving on um, state boards and national boards. You've received a lot of national awards for what you do. Um, but being a leader is not something that um, you just clock in and clock out. It's kind of a lifestyle and, I, you know, I want just the very first thing, I want just kind of a snapshot of what your leadership philosophy is and how you conduct yourself as a leader.
1: It's, it's going to sound uh, maybe a little bit funny, and, and some people may think it's uh, it it's too simple to be a philosophy, but it's what I've lived by for 16 years in this role as an athletic administrator. Um, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to serve on state and national boards, like you say, and, and travel and I tell new perspective athletic administrators, um, coaches that want to to be at that level at some point uh, simply live by a philosophy of, of sign up and show up. Uh, there's so much about just raising your hand and being willing to to throw your hat in a ring for something that you're not sure that you can do i I joke all the time and say, "I have a long, distinguished career." of signing up for things that I'm not qualified for. Uh, and, and I've always bet on myself and thought, if I don't know how to do it, I can figure out how to do it. And I attribute that back to athletics. Nowhere else in, in school will you see that we put students in front of uh, a, a public place and we know that half of them are going to fail besides athletics and activities. So failing for me and and that opportunity or, or possibility, uh, it doesn't scare me because I'm I, I know if I don't do it well this time I, I will learn from it and figure out how to improve. So uh, really simple, sign up and show up.
0: You're also talking about you know taking risks, putting yourself out there, um, knowing that that you might fail at something or you might not know what you're doing, um, but being able to figure it out and knowing that you've got the confidence enough to to try and. And, and forge forward and be able to if you do fail you're going to fail forward and so talk to me a little bit about t- the the guts it takes to put yourself out there and take those risks
1: i've just okay. never had a boss or a mentor that was upset with you for trying right uh, he, <laughs> yeah. you know they you've had more uh, the times that i've gotten myself in in a poor situation have been for uh, hesitating or or setting back but whenever i say i I can do that. I'll learn how to do that. I'll figure out how to do that. There is there is a plethora of people that are willing to help. Uh, you know, the coaching field was so great in that. When I was a, a head soccer coach, I remember going up to Jeff City, and they just, you know, beat the snot out of us. And I went to Coach Horn. He's in the Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. And I said, how did your kids do this? How did you How did you go? I held the bus for 30 minutes up in Jeff City. We were driving back to Waynesville, so we were hour and 45, two hours away. And I I got on the bus and the kids were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, we just got better tonight. And they're like, we just lost eight to zero. And I was like, you have no idea what we're going to do tomorrow. Uh, And it's just that aspect of sign up, show up. If you can't figure it out, you will on the road or there will be somebody that that will be willing to help you if you just ask.
0: I love the way that um, you, you bring in mentorship as an effective leader. You know, a lot of times when people say that someone is an effective leader or this is a really powerful leader. Um, that they're supposed to know everything. And I don't think that's the case. I mean, effective leaders are continually
1: learning and growing. Yeah, you, you just have to be, I guess there's that part that you said a couple minutes ago, is be willing to say, I don't know, or be willing to fail forward. Um, but yes, no one wants to be around someone that says, you have to do it this way at this time, and, and all, this is the only way that you can effectively lead or, or push through. And I think there's so much, there's so much confidence and there is so much um, that I respect of people when they say, I need help here. Uh, that's what we want uh, because that's who we want our, our kids to show up to, uh, to become. You know, when, when I was coaching soccer, I would tell my kids all the time, hey, if you can't kick a ball 70 yards in the air to a certain spot, I'm going to live with that and we'll deal with it. But on a on a dead ball situation, you need to be exactly where you're supposed to be because that's just – that's your mind and, and learning and listening and being where you're supposed to be at a certain time.
0: And, w- and when coaches, you know, do take risks or when they put themselves out there, or they're not sure, or they want to try a new offense, they want to try a new defense, when they, they want to be able to take that risk, um, I think that takes a, a lot of guts because uh, there is potential there, you know, coaches have a very public um, professional persona. So, I mean, they're going to be criticized, um, if if it doesn't go their way, or they're going to be glorified as brilliant and geniuses if it goes their way. So you got to be able as a, as an effective leader, and I keep using that word, and, uh, you know, on purpose, you know, in front of leader is is to be effective. You've got to be able to try to take some of those risks, and then like just what you said, take from it what you can, make yourselves better, and move forward in a in a better direction.
1: Yeah, I I sometimes when a when a play doesn't work at the end of a game. You know, everybody's there, emotions are lying. Was it really a poor play call or did we just not execute well? You know, sometimes we're not going to execute well. Right. You know, sometimes we are, we are in a teaching field with 15, 16, 17 year old young men and young women. And sometimes we have to just learn. Um, you know, Springfield Central in a tournament of champions, we uh, had a ball under our basket with I think less than five seconds left. We were down by one. We didn't execute the play. But I looked at Coach Epps and said, listen, you had the opportunity, and it's been in eight state championships, to run a play that you may have to learn from and run against someone in a district championship. Mm -hmm. And if you get to a district championship, you're going to play one of the top five teams in Missouri in that district because it's loaded. And we put our kids in those situations we hope to win we hope that they have success but at the same time they better be learning for when it happens the next time right
0: and and a lot of times when things like that don't work it works it motivates athletes as well i mean that feeling you don't like that feeling when it doesn't work Correct. so bottle that up take a drink of it anytime that you don't want to work hard in practice or any anytime that you think you know everything take that you know take a drink of that because that's something that can also help athletes um, so that they can execute that better in the future
1: and i think w- when i started Sixteen years ago, the probably the biggest mistake I ever made was trying to have the answer every single time right and that was a horrible model for my coaches and sometimes you know as, as I have grown into these roles uh, to where I currently am, I don't feel the need to give them an answer immediately when a question's asked and and I don't have a problem saying, I haven't thought of that this way. Let me figure out. Let me let me figure out what you're saying. Let me come from it from your angle. And, and when do you need this answer? Let's set a time to where we can get back and we can finalize this. And that that takes a little bit of time to say, and a little bit of vulnerability, and a little bit of hey, I don't have to have every answer immediately.
0: Right, and it takes a little bit of pressure off. And I, you know, I think also um, answering questions with questions sometimes can empower people that are asking you those questions. You know, let's problem solve and find a solution together through this because, you know, a lot of times the answer is in the coach, coach's brain. You just got to help them pull that out and be able to apply it.
1: We had an awesome speaker uh, this August uh, out at Sportstown uh, that we put on with SPS. We brought Brett Ledbetter out, and, and his entire new book, If You Are a Coach, um, you know, a parent, uh, just anything you're trying to do with with young adults and a series of them, it's all about question-based leadership, and it's putting putting it in the hands of, of the young men and young women. And I, I got to watch him visit with about 150 of our kids from SPS, and it was just great the way he got them to come to conclusions that they needed to take back to their teams. It's it's powerful if you can do that. Yeah,
0: I love that. Well, speaking of different leadership models, that's what this series is about. We're kind of evaluating, you know, there are probably thousands and thousands of leadership models out there that, that are all, you know, they're valued. I mean, whoever comes up with the leadership model, whoever the author is of it, they've put a lot of time and effort into it and They're all valued, um, but we're evaluating some of those with effective leaders and and seeing what we would add to it. Um, So just to kind of give a recap, you know, um, we looked at, two weeks ago, we looked at Dr. Tommy Burnett's model, and we talked with Coach Keith Gutten, and um, his ingredients were about personal skills, competencies, ethics, and physical appearance. And, again, that physical appearance does not need to mean you need to be a model to run this leadership model. Physical appearance meaning pride, meaning dedication. It means caring. Um, having, you know, that, that unity within a team. Um, that type of thing of, is something that I think is important as well. Then we looked at Kimberly Fries and she is a, a communication coach for millennials in a, in the corporate world. And she looked at sincere enthusiasm and integrity, great communication skills, loyalty, decisiveness, managerial competence, empowerment, and charisma. And we talked with Scott Nasby about that and he kind of added some of his own. Um, and, and we, we discussed, that model and how it applies. This week, oh, it's one of my favorites. Coach K, we have um from from Duke, the longtime Duke coach, Mike Shosetsky, is a fantastic teacher in value-driven leadership. Uh that is something um I've taken his master class uh on it and I think he does a phenomenal job of that. He has five fundamental qualities that make every team great. Communication, trust, collective responsibility, caring, and pride. And so each one of those he likes to put on a separate finger and he likes to make a fist to make his teams more powerful. These are the values that drive um, his his team. So we're going to look at, um, you know, these individual and then we're going to kind of look at them together and and. And evaluate that so we're going to start uh, start that on um, when we come back from our first break and i want to thank great southern bank for being our presenting sponsor so we're going to continue with our effective leadership series here with springfield public schools director of athletics josh scott we'll be right back on a coach's perspective Perspective. It's Jenny Hopkins and I'm joined today by Josh Scott, uh, Springfield Public Schools Director of Athletics. And um, this segment is sponsored by Highland Dairy, owned by dairy farmers. And they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact. Scientific studies, professional dietitians, they all agree the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate. And they're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. And I'm going to tell you right now, Josh. They're, they're oh, I, also
1: a proud sponsor of the Pink and White Lady Classic mm-hmm. and the Best Pro Tournament and Champions.
0: Yes. You know, and that's that's actually what I was just getting ready to say. Is there, is there a community event or a sporting event that you're involved in that Highland Dairy is not there? <laughs> no,
1: they're everywhere.
0: It's amazing. And and shout out to Greg Stevenson and his entire team over at Highland Dairy. I, I'm just so um, honored that they sponsor this show because – they are, um, they're just community driven. They really are.
1: They're awesome. Between Greg with a uh, pink and white and then Rob below and, and Heath with working with us with the Bass Pro right. Tournament of Champions, uh, you just, you, you cannot name all the great people at Highland here. Yeah.
0: That is so true. So true. All right. So we are talking about effective leadership in this series that we are in and we're going to be talking about um, Coach K. We're going to talk about Coach K from Duke. I'm and I you know this is uh, I, I've listened to him speak at several different clinics. I've listened to him speak at different organizations. Um he has really stayed true to his his value driven um, leadership models. and we talk about um, his first one is communication. That is the first ingredient, if you will. and and communication is is huge. I mean that I mean I mean I want to say duh after that you cannot be an effective leader if you're not an effective communicator. So tell me how important it is for you uh, to make sure that you are communicating with, you know, with clarity and effectiveness.
1: Well, I look at that at a, a couple different ways. And I think if you're going to be an effective leader, communication roles not only in, in how can you use the written and the the verbal word, but also how timely are you. Right. Uh, yeah, I remember when I, I got this job six years ago, um, somebody looked at me and it was one of our athletic administrators at one of our schools. And he said, I just like the fact that you're getting back to me within 48 hours. You know, there's an, (laughs) there's an answer. He said, I I don't always like the answer, but there is an answer that comes back. And uh, part of the issue when, when you get involved or entrenched in large events or big projects, um, you know, I I don't know what your priority list looks like, but our, our, our lists just get longer and longer. and, And as you're pulled in more and more areas, uh, sometimes you just have to sit down and turn everything else off and, and reply to people. The other aspect that I remember of, of communication, and I tell people this all the time, my first year as an athletic administrator, Mark Fisher taught me this lesson. Um, I, I received an email about a game and moving it or changing it, and I was a little bit frustrated because we had contracts. and I sent an email to Mark, and uh, he, he just called me, and he said, Hey, you have a phone there? And I said, yes. And he goes, well, make sure you pick up a phone. And, and I use that all of the time now because if you want to guarantee or almost guarantee the tone is going to be missed or messed up, write it in an email. Uh, you, you people yes. read the wrong tone in all of the time. So I speak to, to new athletic administrators all the time. It's so against how. I mean I have a 14 year old son it's it's against how he is growing up if they can't use Snapchat they don't want to send it to anyone and it's like <laughs> use a phone yes. to speak to someone yes. uh so I, I I take it a couple different directions yes you have to be able to eloquently say what you what you point you want to get across but more importantly be timely and don't be afraid to have a conversation
0: I like that and I like the fact that um, you know when you're on the phone too You aren't just replying, you're responding. I know that's a little bit of a cliche in the communication world, but it is true. You 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 tend to be a little bit more of an active listener because you're in that moment, you're engaged. Sometimes with emails you can, you know, you skim through them and um, it is so important to be able to have that en- that engagement and have that quality response.
1: And how many times do you receive an email with no punctuation, no right. no uh, salutation, yeah. no you know greeting, right. no anything, and it's just like slow down enough, and, and you're building re- relationships, you're building rapport if you pick up the phone, and it really doesn't take that much more time out of your day.
0: I agree. I agree. Take the time to do that. Put some flowers in it. What's <laughs> what's harm's that going to do? And people are like, I don't have time for flowers. But, you know, but do you have time later to mend the fences of someone have missed, you know, having that miscommunication? Um, I also think communication is really important um, with the team within a team. You know, you have an, a team. Like coaches have assistant coaches, and they have a team that works with them within their organization. You know, you have a team that works with you within your organization. Talk to me a little bit about the communication piece of how important it is for the internal team um, to be able to communicate with each other.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that honesty part, and the, one of the next points that we'll talk to you here in a couple of minutes with trust. But you you have to have the confidence in the people around you when you're when you're hiring and you're working and you're doing a job. Um, you know, I'm fortunate enough; we have five other people on my direct team in our office in the Bentley Building, and each of them have a very specific and a very important role. Uh, but at the at the same point when we get close to pink and white time, we get close to tournament of champions time, it becomes very clear that we no longer have specific jobs for Coach Hopkins. Mm-hmm. We have jobs for the athletic department. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, we, we try to run by the rule. If one of us looks bad, we all look bad. And, and so there's such an important aspect of building that community and, and that responsibility for all of us uh, to get the job done.
0: And so that that takes buy in. Um, And if there is someone that, you know, is a business leader or or coach right now that's listening. And what if you have someone on your team that is not totally buying in? You you are fortunate right now. This has to be hypothetical because you really do have a strong team that has a lot of trust and you can tell there's a lot of unity. But um, just hypothetically, if you have someone on your internal team that is not um, on board, not having that buy in, how do you handle that?
1: Uh, it, it's hard, and you get more confident with it as you you do the job longer. But you have to be honest. You, I mean, you have to look at people and and tell them exactly what you need and and why it's not happening. I um, had a former former boss, and uh, he used to say, uh, uh, "Less words, stronger message." Right? You know what what do you need to boil it down to? Um, what is the issue? And, and don't beat around the bush. Uh, sometimes people just want to know. Hey, you're, you're not meeting this. Um, and also at the same time, you have to think maybe they don't truly understand that what my expectations are. Uh, you know, I had a, I had an old coach say, if you're not getting desired results, maybe sometimes you need to look at the directions you're giving. And, you know, we, we take that approach. And so, um, there's also a a little thing. It's not in here, but it's, it's kind of something that I try to stress to my office staff all the time, our athletic administrators in our buildings, and it's, life is so much better if you go through it assuming positive intentions not everyone is trying to do something just to make you angry right and and so if i look at it and i have a staff member that's not performing at the level that i want my first instinct is have i told them this is how i want to do it and and you look that way i can place the blame on me and say hey you know, I'm sorry, Coach Hopkins. I haven't told you that I want I want this done this way, or or this is why I, I want it done. And and sometimes uh, we go through life in society thinking Jenny doesn't need to know why I want it done this way. And I just don't think society's that way anymore.
0: No, I don't think so either. Yeah. And I think that's something too that I, a lot of coaches are are making a very conscious effort of not just saying, you know, we're going to cut off the baseline this way, we're going to rotate on the weak side on this way um they're explaining why you know this is this is why because they have we want to talk about angles we want to talk about in our scouting report this is their favorite um side to attack i mean there's a lot of different ways and you want to talk about that um that why um and and a little bit of that in, in your technique that you're talking about is a little bit in collective responsibility which we'll also talk about here in a minute but let's move into trust um let's move into trust and trust is sometimes you know it's a subjective feeling it is it's oftentimes how you make people feel not necessarily I mean it is a lot on what you say and what you do um, but it also is how you make people feel and if they feel like you're approachable and that they can trust you so how can a leader um, build that trust and be able to have that approachability
1: I I love this I have a video that I show often um, when I do leadership uh, discussions with athletic administrators around and it's uh with general Colin Powell and he, he, goes through and he defines leadership down to the essence of trust. And, and he goes out in the back of the video or the end of the video. And he says, you can do all of the things that the science of management says, but without trust, none of it matters. Uh, and, and so how do you do it? I think you have to be honest. I think you have to be, uh, you have to laugh. You have to ask, um, when people are sick how how their kids are doing um you you have to be who you are and and you have to say what is going to actually happen um you know i different things you can give people answers that will get them to shut up and that will get them to leave you alone but oftentimes that's going to get you in trouble later uh and and when you say you know Coach Hopkins, if you do this again, this is going to be this is going to be right. what we 're going to do. Coaches are watching not only the coach that you tell that to but but that coach's colleagues uh, assistant coaches and when you don 't follow through uh, you you just lose that trust and credibility.
0: I like that follow through I think that 's really important, and I think consistency is mm-hmm. important, um, and I think that's you know what you were also speaking to. And being consistent and, and because I think that's something you have to have. And that's why I think coach K has this model, uh, that he has talked about for so many years is because there is a consistency in these values, uh, that he sees. If you want to have that, um, trusting environment, um, you've got to be able, um, to have that consistency in how you're treating, uh, your players or your employees or your coaches and, and how you, how you react to them.
1: So we started, you know, this year with the Tournament of Champions, one of our big changes was we brought in a TOC social media crew. Uh, we've never done that before. So we had a eight-person social media, and we are, it is blowing up on Instagram, TikTok, X, or Twitter, whatever you want to call <laughs> it. Uh, it's, it, is, it is just going insane. Um, but I can't tell you all the meetings that I had with the three guys before they showed up. And... It's been outstanding, and I told them I need you to live within these parameters, and we were very clear, very consistent. Um, but when they were there, we treated them like the same people that have been helping with the tournament for thirty-nine years, and I, I think it's just what are your expectations? What are you going to do for them? Follow up, um, have conversations, and and be af- be available to reach out.
0: I think that's really important, Tom, and and I think I bet they appreciated that as well um, let's let's talk a little bit um, about collective responsibility. Um, that's the next kind of ingredient. We've talked communication, We've talked trust, collective responsibility. And I think that is something that that as an effective leader, uh, you got to take unwarranted heat sometimes. You've got to make sure you've got um, your teams back. you've got to you've got to take some ownership of your own mistakes and and you have to help people accept roles. Um, and build to their strengths and help them with their improvement, but know that you're in it together. So how would you define that collective responsibility?
1: I I think providing opportunities for involvement in decision-making. Um, you know, we we visit all the time with athletic directors, and we ask them, you know, how many of you have been at your school for uh, over five years? And no matter what happens, always over half the half of the group, right? You know, out of 30 people, at least 15 will be there and some will be longer. And I look at them and say, have you worked with your coaches? You have to rewrite your handbook. And most of them just kind of look at you and they kind of stare and they're like, well, why would we rewrite? It? And I'm like, well, you are currently living your predecessor's handbook, mission, philosophy, vision. You want to talk about winning coaches? Start that project with them on board. Invite them. Say, so if you want to help us, here you go. Show them the... Uh, a rough draft, show them the final copy, have them have any input, and, and go from there. You would be amazed how many coaches or what percentage would say, I want to help with that. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be our rules and organization, we we want to go go that way, that direction. Um, live it. Uh, every time that you, you have an opportunity, I try to speak about how great our coaches are in Springfield Public Schools. Uh, right now, I would put our 10 head basketball coaches up against any other group of 10 basketball coaches in Missouri total. Uh, you know, you, you just look at what we're doing, how they're doing it, the impact they're making on kids. Uh, it, it's just su- at such a high level you can't even you can't measure it. So uh, it's important to have their back. It's important to support them. Uh, but it's also important to uh, have honest conversations if there's something that needs to improve.
0: And I, and I think also it, it's important, to, you know, there are times – that, you know, to be in that collective responsibility mindset, um, you have to be able to be a, a team player. You've got to be able to take up the slack when you need to take up the slack. But you've also got to be able to, to handle, um, let's, let's use the word criticism, you know, because coaches get criticized. They can, they can have all of the great vision and the mission and the values and all of that in place. Um, and they can have all of the effort in place. Um, there's still that they, there's somebody is going to criticize them. It just, it just happens in your position. Um, there's been times where, I mean, to me, I think you're, uh, you're, one of the best director of athletics in, in the country. I mean, you're on all of these boards, you have all of these awards and those have, those have been warranted, but there are times where you're criticized um, and, and rightfully so they, these people don't have the whole picture. So they're judging you on a snapshot instead of a whole, you know, when there's an hour long video, tell me what it is like as a, a leader to be able to have to, um, deal with criticism that happens in your profession.
1: So I, I think all of us, uh, whether you're coaching athletic administrator, superintendent, principal, I think over years, your, your, your skin gets thicker, right? I mean, you, you have to be able to do this um I, i've come to to two resolutions or, or two spaces i guess through 16 years one i understand most of the time when these are going to be leveled toward us it's going to be because it's about someone's child and no matter no matter who wants to tell you it's not personal it's personal to that mom dad or guardian it's personal to that 15 16 17 year old kid that is having a poor experience for whatever reason within that sport or activity. Uh, so I, I think sometimes we look at parents or look at a student athlete and say, it's not personal. And that's sometimes the absolute worst thing that could ever come out of anyone's mouth because it's highly personal to them. So we need to understand that. Um, and, and with that, there's the idea we are always, we, we seem to be coming at things diametrically from different places. Like everything that we communicate is, We want to work on program, team, and individual. It doesn't matter that we don't care about that. It doesn't mean we don't care about Jenny Hopkins' son. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means when we're setting goals, we're setting them for our overall basketball program and then our varsity team, JV team, freshman team, and then we're worrying about trying to get Jenny Hopkins' son better. Uh, Because he's amazing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And Jenny Hopkins is thinking, hey, I I want the program to do well. I want the team to do it, but I'm worried about my son and what, sure. what he's getting out of that, and that's the most important thing to me as we're going through. So It's
0: a perspective shift. You have
1: to understand that, and you have to be willing to say, I get it, and I'm going to listen. I also think um, the, the, it's an old-school approach of, I'm not going to talk to you about playing time. And I tell people that all across the country. Every one of my coaches should know why a student is or is not playing. And that student should know why they are or they are not playing. Mm -hmm. And we should be willing to have those conversations with that kid. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that the mom and dad need to have that sit-down conversation, but we should tell the student-athlete, hey, listen, I I think there's some concerns that you would like to play more. Here's what I see. Here's what I don't see. And sometimes the student-athlete could be doing nothing wrong, and there's just somebody better than them. And we need to have conversations uh, for whatever reason it is.
0: Or they weren't clear on their role. Yes. And what they're supposed to be contrib- contributing. I loved it when players would come to me and say, how can I play more? I mean, they care. That shows passion. Um, did You know, did it change? Well, uh, because they asked that question, no. It changed because they might have, you know, got stayed after practice more and worked on this this skill or that skill um, and began to improve. And so their playing time proportionally yep. improved.
1: And uh, So when you get past the part of you you accept and you understand the fact that it's probably the most important person in their life with their (laughs) child and you understand it's highly personal and you understand what they're trying to do. Um, After I came to that understanding, the second thing um, I just kind of changed in my head and I I got this from an old coach. You know, you you under, you were coaching when there was open gyms and, and, uh, coach, Coach told me, hey, we don't have open gyms. We have opportunities to improve. Yes. Um, that's so, what
0: actually we called it. Yes. So that's. <laughs> uh,
1: opportunities the, the, for growth. That's what I've changed. That's what I've changed it to. So um, when when somebody looks, I, I just look and say, I've got another opportunity to improve, opportunity for growth, whatever you want to call it. Um, I understand where they're coming from. I try to be empathetic. Um, I, I try not to wear it or take it home. It doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and. and We just we know that the decisions that we're making are for the best interest of the program, the school, student athletes that we can.
0: So Um, where where is your where is your line Uh, for, for example, when I what I mean by that is when does it get to a point where, okay I have listened, I have paid attention, I have empathized with you. Um you know there is a lot of psychological displacement that occurs. I think sometimes in those conversations or um transference there's something going on in someone's world and they need a target they need someone to blame and you're taking this unwarranted heat where's your line where you say okay we're we're agreeing to disagree or we're moving in a different direction or um that that that's enough. What is your line
1: uh w- when respect is is lost um it it becomes you can have these very difficult conversations without a direct character assault on my coaches or on me or on our administrators um you, you can have conversations and, and you can do that but uh, our our coaches don't deserve direct attacks um administrators don't deserve direct attacks and uh, if parents guardians have a you know a concern i try to be friendly we smile, we listen, we have a conversation. I let them know and and a lot of times there's not a resolution in that meeting. But there is a um I've heard you. We will we will look into this if there's something that we need to follow up, but oftentimes it's it's uh, one one story. Uh I have a very good friend that uh when it comes to to parents coming in, the the rule is You can come in, but your son or daughter has to come in and a coach has to come in I agree because every piece of information you're getting is secondhand information from your son or your daughter. And we need to have the two people that were there to be able to facilitate a conversation.
0: Right. To be productive effective.
1: And that happens a lot in our five schools.
0: I bet it does. I bet it does. Um, And and it's not easy. And I do appreciate the the approach that you take with that, um, that you, you know, you don't just want to cut them off and say, oh, deal with it, deal with it but you're being able to bring them to the table. So let's, let's, um, that that segues perfectly into the next ingredient of caring. Um, and this is, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I oftentimes will tell, you know, young coaches is you can't fake that. You have to be genuine, you have to be authentic, and you have to care. And if you don't care, you're in the wrong profession or you need to find something that you do care about to be a part of. And so caring, uh, to me, is a huge part of being an effective leader.
1: So I... I look at it, and someone asked me once, and and maybe it was you earlier, You know, what do we look at when when we come to hiring? And I can tell you, especially assistant coaches, my number one priority is are they a kid magnet? We want people that kids want to be around and be in programs. And that, to me, sums up everything. It means that person's probably friendly. They're going to wear a smile. Most days they're going to be in a good mood. And and kids are going to enjoy their time after, uh, you know. There's a there's a level, um, you know. I I joke around. And it's like we don't want to hire a bunch of Colonel McGrumpus, you know. If <laughs> we don't want people making it, because it, it's going to make basketball not fun, um, you know. Our middle school levels. Uh, I I will I will debate this on any show with anyone ever. We have three priorities at our middle school athletics. Priority number one is: did the kids have fun? Priority number two is, did they come out for the same sport or a different sport the next year? If they don't have fun, they're not going to come back out year two. Our priority number three is, did we advance the general skills of the sport? It's fundamentals. That's what we want to get through. Those are the three goals. Why is skills third? Because if they don't have fun and they don't come back out, they will never go out when they get to high school. If they never go out when they're at high school, they'll never be around our varsity coaches Mm -hmm. and our program.
0: And I you know, and I think that goes right back to probably one of the most effective characteristics of, of any coach or leader, and that's developing those relationships. And that's what caring is to me. I mean, that's developing that relationship. Coach Gutton talked about it on his show. I mean, that that is oftentimes his, you know, leadership philosophy is developing those relationships and how important that is.
1: Yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna um, in about five minutes, I'm gonna leave and go pick my son up from soccer practice and he's gonna tell me for twenty minutes home. The, the thing that coach said now <laughs> coach, coach may make one comment toward him in 90 minutes, but to my son it's going to be the most important comment that was made to him all day long. Yeah, uh, and, and that's why he's there.
0: And that's why coaches have to be conscientious of what they are saying. They have to make sure they're mindful about their words because mm-hmm. it does make a big impact. Last one is we're going to talk about his pride. Um, and I think that's something that's really, you know, we talked about Dr. Burnett's personal, you know, a, a physical appearance and, pride is something that is really important um as an effective leader you've got to have pride you've got to be able to express um that that dedication and that pride that you have in your team
1: if if we believe this is the best place to work then we need to model it Mm -hmm. you know we we can't say it's with with being or overseeing 14 or 15 schools uh, you, you can't say we bleed this color, right? But we're we are doing a lot of steps. I'm so proud of the steps we took as a school district with seventh and eighth grade football. For the first time ever, in in five years from now, we will have the first class of student athletes that would have had the potential to play together seventh, eighth, and then ninth, all the way through high school in feeder patterns. So we've taken our middle school football programs and gone from nine football teams with that could that could not field both A and B or seventh and eighth grade. And now we're going to have five and we're playing as the Falcons, the Hornets, Mm -hmm. the Vikings, uh, it Cherokee and, and, uh, you, you know, going through and it's, it's just, it's outstanding. And so we're setting that pipeline and that system up of this is who we are. This is where we're going to be. This is where we're going to go. That's why it's so crucial to hire head coaches that know, Hey, it's really, really important for me to do everything that I need to do at my high school level, off season, preseason, during the season, during the summer. But it's equally equally as important to get into that middle school cafeteria.
0: It's building that culture of the program.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: So important. Um, well, I again, I, I will uh, brag on you. I do think you're a very effective leader, and you do a tremendous job with Springfield Public Schools and all the different boards that you serve on. It's only an hour show, so I couldn't list all of them. But it's tremendous what you have contributed. Um, to the world of athletic administration, not just here um, locally, but at the state level and at the national level. So congratulations on that and keep going. Keep rolling on it. (laughs) All right, we're going to take our final break, and and I appreciate Josh Scott spending time with us. Um, I want to thank Highland Dairy for sponsoring this segment, along with Greg and Melinda Burnett as they support local and thoughtful radio. We'll be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. to a coach's perspective i'm Danny hopkins and this segment is sponsored by bill grant ford in bolivar hey they know cars they know trucks they know suvs they know service they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal i've been one of them for over 25 years kelly grant shane rainey they will take care of you give them a call at 417-326-7671 we also want to thank west logging for sponsoring this segment go to westlogging.com or find danny west on facebook He'll give you a free consultation, and he's going to treat your land like his own. And I want to thank Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance. Very grateful for the sponsorship, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance. And so we're we're talking in this effective leadership, and I want to thank Josh Scott for being here. Um, I do think he is an effective leader. If you you ever think that someone has an easy job, I mean, he's got a great title. He's got his hand in a lot of different things. He doesn't have an easy job. He he has a very he has to deal with a lot of different personalities in a lot of different areas. He's got to try to merge those, bridge those, and try to to be um, you know as productive as he possibly can. So I, I admire someone in a position like that to be able to be as effective as he has been with his coaches and players. And um, you know this week we're talking about Coach Sosetsky, um, former coach K from Duke. About his five fundamental qualities that make every team great. We're talking about communication, trust, collective responsibility, caring, and pride. And that's our leadership model this week that we're looking into. And I, and I think that's one of the things I, I actually used Coach K's model. And I'm going to bring Logan in on the conversation too. When I was coaching one year, we had the fist. Um, we actually made the fist and we wrote those value-driven you know characteristics on each knuckle, and our players would fist bump it before they go out of the locker room and. That um, We talked about them. It's not something you just want to hang in the locker room. You've got to apply it to make it effective. But, um, you know, I do think that there's two areas, too, that I would add. If you could add a couple more knuckles, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, could, well, I could probably add five more knuckles. But but I, I think competitiveness is in there. Um, you know, that is the pride uh, piece of it. But I like that. To, the competitiveness, I think, is really important and I also think attitude, um, which, again, attitude could be with caring. It could be with pride. It could be with all. It's a little sprinkled in all of them. But I think those are two different characteristics that are, are evident in his model.
1: I think without question. And, you know, you look at what Coach K has done with that philosophy, yeah, using his his sort of fist method for what he's done. You can't argue with the results of it. You know, having that militaristic background and his association with Bobby Knight and all those things. and. The amount of success that it led to, not only on the court, but, you know, what his players were able to do after the game of basketball. You know, guys that had, of course, the long NBA careers, those names we all know. But the guys that didn't, I mean, you look at, at the Hurley brothers and what they were able to do after they were done at Duke. You know, not... On the court as players, but as coaches implementing their own philosophies and doing those things. So, yeah, his impact uh, on the game of basketball has felt well beyond just the guys that, that played for him. It has become an impact and, and something that has inspired people across the country. I
0: listened to him speak one time, and it was interesting. Someone had asked the question about, um, you know, well, if if you have someone that doesn't have the buy-in on your values, you know, if you have an attitude problem or you got someone that doesn't like their role, and, you know, how do you... He, And he answered it beautifully by saying, you know, we don't have to put up with that. We don't have to have that um, in our program. You know, that's if they're not part of the the collective responsibility, they're not part of the unit, um, then then we don't have to have that. It's a privilege to be a part of this program. And I think that, you know, sometimes athletes, you know, high school coaches don't get to pick, you know, who's walking their halls. But at the same time, you know, to get that buy-in of like, it is a privilege to be on this team, you know, to be able to sell it, um, in that fashion where this is a great opportunity to be a part of this. I think that's a, a really important element to what he does. Agreed. Yes. Um, well, we, we've we we've really enjoyed this series, and we're going to continue this series. Um, next week we are preempted, and, and we will not be here next week, but on February 7th we will return. It is a, uh, actually National Girls and Women in Sport Day that night, and we're going to have some athletic director, and we're going to have coaches in um, that are going to celebrate that but continue this series we're going to continue looking at these leadership models and then we're going to start having we're going to have a couple of business leaders i'm very excited about the potential of some of our business um, and community leaders that are going to be joining us talking about the parallels and guess what they all played sports and so we're going to talk about the parallels of what they got and how they're successful now in their professional life so moving into our post game talk sponsored story construction they've been providing high quality industrial and commercial construction since 1966 go to story s-t-o-r-e-e dot com for more information well as we continue this series um, we're going to continue with the flavor of this post-game talk and continue with the challenges that i've asked of you since we started this series i mean at one time or another i mean we're going to take on a leadership role right it could be in sports it could be in your careers it could be in your families. Um, there's always a desire to be effective. Always, you know, If you're going to be a leader, you want to be a good leader. Um, but the real effective leader knows it takes hard work. It takes being determined to fight for the greater good. It also takes um, that, that extra effort of sometimes you're going to take unwarranted heat from others. You're going to own responsibility of, of actions. It's not easy. Um, being an effective leader is not easy. Um, but that's why the word effective is there before the word leader so you know there's learning curves and how one embraces those curves and what they do about them can be the difference between leaders and effective leaders and don't forget that's how champions do it and i'm going to remind you as i do each and every week be a good human and live your life like a champion live like a human champion this is jenny hopkins and this has been a coach's perspective